Let's reread that first verse of this uh, gospel reading for this morning. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark. The darkness can be disorienting. We can lose our way in the dark, in the night, even on an Easter morning. In the dark of the night, we can forget who we as Christians truly are. We have an identity that is founded in Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone of this spiritual temple that we are a part of. And yet, in the darkness, even in the early morning, even on Easter, we can become disoriented. I remember being a Bible camp counselor. This was a job that I had for two summers uh, while I was in college. And uh, one particular experience of campers that I will never forget was um, a group of 11 and 12-year-old boys. I had eight in my cabin. And we were focused on all kinds of games and activities, teaching in the morning about how in baptism we are given a new identity to help nurture the faith and belief in these young children, these boys and girls that came to Bible camp. And so we had all kinds of fun and interesting games and skits, activities to help reinforce the lessons that we were teaching. And then in the afternoons, we got to go swimming at the lake or um, to play softball or do other activities. And then one night of the week, for us it was Thursday night, we got to go on a camp out. I got to take these eight boys with some tents, and uh, of course we would eat dinner first um, at the campsite, and then we'd head out for an overnight of camping. They're 11 and 12-year-olds, so we weren't doing everything with them yet. And uh, what I remember was uh, we had found a place to set up our camp. And um, I had a couple of the boys that were seemed very mature for their age, very responsible. And so I sent them out to look for firewood. Now, this was a safe and contained area. This was the camp uh, property. It was maybe 5, 10 acres. I don't remember exactly. Not a huge spot. Um, so you couldn't get too lost. And it was all fenced in. Uh, so you couldn't go beyond the fences. And uh, so they were out to look for firewood. And so the rest of us were waiting, so we were singing some camp songs, kind of waiting for the campfire to, to roast marshmallows and make s'mores and, and uh, to, to do some more singing. Well, we waited, and we waited, and we waited some more. And finally, I told the other campers, now, you all just remain here. I'm going to go out and look for those other two guys. They may have gotten lost. I'll find them and bring them back. But you guys stay here. So they stayed there. I went out, and I went, began to look. And it wasn't too long. Within five minutes, I found the two campers. They were sitting on a log. They were smoking weed. <laughs> yeah, not the dandelion kind or the ragweed kind. No, we're not talking that kind of weed. They were smoking the other kind of weed. And so... <laughs> I collected them, brought them back and um, with some firewood, and we had our campfire. But it was a different ending to the night than I had anticipated. 
And I thought later on how interesting it is that we can be so clear in our identity as followers of Jesus, that we can be so clear in our identity that we are brothers and sisters in Christ, and how, how quickly Satan can tempt us away from that identity into other identities, trying to help us to see ourselves in a way that the world would like to see us. Now, in the night, in the dark, it was easy to forget their true identity, these two young boys. You might say that they had been the victims of identity theft. They had their identity, and then they gave it away for a little weed. Night can be disorienting for us Christians as well, causing us to forget our true identity. We find ourselves trying to make our identity in our own image by our careers. I succumbed to this temptation when I was a younger pastor, and uh, I'm sure many of you have succumbed to this. And it often comes at the neglect of your family um, or the neglect of your spiritual life. When we become so focused on creating our successful, true identity, we can so easily forget that the true identity that we have is in Christ Jesus. For some, maybe it is creating enough wealth so that you don't have to be dependent upon anyone else. That is not the kind of identity that Jesus gives us. Others of us lean into our political identities and we begin to worship that identity instead of our true identity in Christ. Some of you have told yourself that you have no identity, that your identity is worthless, that it's not valued, and that no one could value you. And that's the loss of an identity. That's an identity theft too. And that's a lie. Because every single person has value. You have value. God loves you. Your brothers and sisters in Christ love you. We are the church together. Some of you are proud anti-mask wearers. Some of you are proud mask wearers. And I find it rather ironic that that's now how we're supposed to define our Christianity. Instead of what it has always been, our relationship with Jesus Christ. The good news of the gospel, that's the centerpiece. It's not how we live our lives in terms of whether we're right and they're wrong or they're right and we're wrong. There's no love in that. We are called to live our lives with a relationship as the centerpiece of our faith. Do you love Jesus? He loves you. Do you speak to Jesus? He speaks to you. That is our identity as Christians. These are all forms of identity theft 
success in your career, your wealth, your loss of value, your identity and politics, all of that ends up leading us away from the very core of what Mary discovered in the garden at the tomb that Easter morning. That it is our relationship with Jesus Christ that is the centerpiece of our identity. We are all tempted by Satan to leave our Christian identity behind. We are all tempted by Satan to live a life that is different than what Christ has given us. Especially in the night. Especially in the darkness. But these are all forms of identity theft. What was the lesson that we learned on Monday, Thursday night as we gathered to celebrate the Last Supper that Jesus had with his disciples? In that whole night of reading that section from John 13, what was the centerpiece of that evening meal and what followed after the meal? The centerpiece is this verse. Love one another as I have loved you. Love one another. You see, it's so easy to become vengeful or angry or frustrated and we lose focus of the mission that we have been given to love one another. And if we can't love one another as Christians, how are we ever going to love the world? We have some things to overcome. Thankfully, thankfully, Jesus has overcome them for us, for you and for me. Because Jesus loves us. Jesus loves you. In the darkness of the early morning, identity theft is an occurrence that even followers of Jesus can experience. And at the tomb early in that morning, while it was still dark, Mary could not understand where Jesus had gone. She couldn't comprehend that he had to ascend to his father. In the darkness, it was not clear who she was looking for. You see, she was still looking for the crucified and dead Jesus. And the only Jesus that was around on Easter morning was the risen Jesus, the crucified and risen Jesus. And so as she looked for Jesus, she couldn't see him. As a matter of fact, when the beloved disciple and Peter had finished looking into the empty tomb and had gone back to be with the other disciples, she looked into the tomb herself. And she saw that it was empty, except there were two angels in there, one sitting at the foot and one sitting at the head of where Jesus' body had laid. And when she looked into the angels, they asked her, who are you looking for? Who are you looking for? And she said, I'm looking for Jesus. Do you know where they have taken his body? And she turned around, and outside of the tomb, she runs face into another person. She's assuming that it's the gardener, and so this person speaks to her and says, who are you looking for? Again, that question. And then a second question she is asked by this person, 
And uh, why are why are you weeping? Why are you crying? Before she can respond, he says to her, Mary, one word, one name, one one calling that transforms her life, changes it forever. She no longer is confronted by a dead, crucified Jesus. Now she is met by a crucified, resurrected, and risen Jesus. She is a new creation because of his death and resurrection. You are a new creation because of his death and resurrection. And it's not just Mary. Later in the story, we're reminded that that Thomas cannot accept the fact that Jesus is resurrected from the dead. He, he tells his disciples who has seen the resurrected Jesus at this point that until I can place my fingers in his hands, in the nail marks, and put my hand into his side where the spear went in, I will not believe. You see, Thomas is still looking, like Mary was early in the morning, for the dead and crucified Jesus. And the only one around now is the crucified, resurrected, and risen one. Thankfully, Jesus has a new identity, and he shares that identity with you and me. And the one who gives us this new identity gives it to you once and for all. Not so he can give it to you and then take it away. That's not what Jesus does. That's not the kind of God that we believe in. This is the God who gives it freely and who doesn't take it away. We may wander away. We may run away. We may try to avoid this Jesus, this relationship. But he doesn't. He continually pursues us. Not just on Easter, but in every day of the week. Whenever we lose our identity, whenever our identity is stolen from us. After Peter and the beloved disciple left, when Mary remains at the tomb and she is weeping, Jesus addresses her with that one word, Mary. Mary. And she replies, Rabboni. She has just seen the risen Jesus and he has called her by name. He has given her a new identity at this point. She is no longer the old Mary. She is now the new Mary Magdalene. She is the new Mary that lives the promise of Christ into the world. When he calls her by name, she still looks to him as the old Jesus. She runs up to him, Rabboni, and that's a, a, a name for my, my rabbi, my teacher. And then it says that she clings to him. She grabs onto him. She won't let go. We can understand. He had been crucified. He was dead. Don't let go of him. But he kindly rebukes Mary 
And he says to her, don't cling to me. For the old is passing away and the new is being ushered in. And this is how he says it. I am going to ascend to my father and to your father, to my God, to your God. Mary is called by Jesus. She is remembered by Jesus. And she is given a new identity from Jesus. And now she has a new relationship with the crucified and risen Savior and Messiah. The old is passing away and the new is being ushered in. And yet we live in that in-between time where our identities can still be stolen or lost. In the meantime, the risen Christ must ascend to the Father. Jesus appears to Mary and transforms her life. And he transforms all the lives of those who call upon his name. It seems part of Jesus' purpose in the resurrection is to create a whole new family of sorts, a new identity for his followers, a spiritual family. Earlier at the cross, Jesus said to his mother, as he hung suspended from the cross and looked down and saw his mother, his earthly mother, he says to her, Mother, behold your son, as he points out the beloved disciple. And then he says to his dear friend, this disciple, Son, behold your mother. And it says, from that time on, the disciple took her into his home. What I find interesting about that is that Mary had other sons. Jesus had stepbrothers. Joseph and Mary had a family. So she could have been cared for by her own sons. But Jesus wanted her to be a part of her spiritual family, a new identity. Eventually, his brothers would come along and become leaders in the early church. But it took them a while. And if they had gone to the old structure, you know, just, Mom, let the boys take care of you, none of that may have ever happened. You see, the spiritual family is the power that transforms us by the power of the Holy Spirit into this new creation. That is what we as the church are about. And that is, to be honest, what we are missing during this pandemic, that we cannot be together with one another. I look forward to that time when we can be together. After the experience at the cross, we were reminded about a new spiritual relationship between a mother and a son. Just as he called Mary by name and included her in his spiritual family, he also called his beloved disciple into that spiritual family. But then he also called Mary Magdalene, who is at the tomb, into that spiritual family. And then he he adds someone else or another group of people. He tells Mary, after she has realized her new identity, he says, now go give this message, not to the 12, not to the disciples, but he says, go give this message. In the Greek, it literally says, to my brothers. To my brothers. 
Jesus is now talking about a spiritual family of sisters and brothers and mothers and a father who is the head of it all. This is the new relationship. And my friends, you too are part of that spiritual relationship. A family of faith. A family spiritually united through this gift of faith and trust and believing. As Jesus prepared to ascend to his Father, he is creating a whole new family structure. Not the old system, not the old family structure, a new family structure built upon faith and mission. In a world overtaken by identity theft, God sends Jesus to give you a new identity. Jesus takes our anger and he transforms it into love, even love for our enemies. Now, that is something that I can't do on my own. I don't think you can do it on your own. But that is something that God does through the Holy Spirit by the power that has been invested in the Spirit through Jesus Christ. That God can take our anger and transform it into love, even for those who don't love us. Jesus takes our desire for vengeance and he transforms that into reconciliation. Jesus takes our righteous anger and instead gives us not more righteous anger, but true righteousness. That is the kind of God that we have, that we have been shown in our Savior, Jesus Christ. That in the midst of our rebellion, where we lose our identity, where we give it away, where where identity is stolen, in the midst of that, we are a new creation. God has given you a new identity in the crucified and risen Jesus Christ. Are you ready to enter the world at the end of this worship service? Are you ready to enter the world with that new identity, with that true identity? Brothers and sisters, if so, then let's go.